Well, hello, Jess. Hi there, Chris. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How about you? I'm doing very well, thank you. Good to have you back. Yes. Good to be back. Together. Yes. Yes. That's so good. <laughs> did you have a good Christmas and New Year's? I did. <laughs> um, it went by quickly, but here we are. It's 2022. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Well, it's good to have you uh, today, and we're going to kick off the new year by doing a book review, something we've never done before. I know. I'm excited to do that. You know, A fun fact, one of the podcasts that I love listening to is one that you recommended to me, and uh, it's yes. all about like book reviews. The book pile. Yes. Yeah. So I'm glad that we're reviewing a book today. It's going to be fun. Yeah, we're kind of doing it in a similar style to them as well, just minus the comedy. <laughs> we're not that They're funny. like professional comedians. <laughs> Yeah, it's a great book. It's a great uh, podcast if you guys get a chance to ch check it out as well. But what we're going to be looking at today is a book that was totally manageable because it's probably one of the shortest books I've ever read. <laughs> yeah. It's called The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness by Timothy Keller. And it's a really amazing book. Uh, well, I really liked it. What did you think about it? My So I don't read a lot of Tim Keller, but he it's well written mm -hmm. and like you said it's short and I find it interesting because I think like especially in the beginning he's he um, spends a lot of time like talking about why people think the way they do about themselves and yeah. like we'll get deeper into it but I thought that like he didn't just say hey this is a problem he was like oh people think this way and that leads to a problem that we have so, yeah yeah I don't know if that made sense but my initial thought is that it's well written it goes pretty deep and stuff yeah even if it's short so it is, but it's a good book. Yes, well, before we get into that, excuse me, I forgot, oh. we have a snack to eat. We have such a lovely snack. I can't believe you made this. <laughs> I made something called chocolate salami. We have to post a picture because people need to see this. Can you describe it for us? It just it looks like salami. It's like a sausage shape, it's sliced, but it's made totally out of chocolate and, oh, and cookies and delicious things. That sounds amazing. You can just Google it as well, chocolate, <laughs> chocolate salami, and good, delicious images will come up. Yes. So here we go. Let's Happy go. New Year's. Jess. Happy New Year. Mmm. Oh, it's sweet. It's very sweet. Mmm. I'll be honest, it's the first time I tried this one as well. Mm -hmm. And so I had no idea if it was going to taste good or not. I'm happy with it. It's like um, It's like a cookie, basically. Mm. Um, awesome. Someone once described it as a reverse chocolate cookie. Chocolate That's chip true. cookie. That's true, yeah. Because instead of having, instead of being a cookie with chocolate chips, it's kind of chocolate with cookie chips. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it is. I like it. What kind of chocolate did you use? It was a blend of dark and um, milk. Okay. Okay, I'm glad. I like it. <laughs> Good. I'm glad you like it. You have some to take home. <laughs> chocolate salami. I will definitely take them. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, we're going to look at the book together today. And mm -hmm. I've looked at that and tried to find some lessons that I found in the book as well. Overall, I thought the book was great. Yeah. I thought it was punchy. I think if you're familiar with Timothy Keller's teachings, you can find echoes of a lot of his sermons in the oh, book okay. as well. Yeah. Because it's definitely something that it's a sort of a pillar of how he writes. i uh, sorry, how he speaks and his theology is sort of expressed in this short little book, like mm -hmm. the way that Christ frees us from a lot of the things that hold us back as, mm -hmm. as human beings. And so a lot of the times in reading, even if it was a short chapter, I was like, oh, I've heard him use that before. Sure, sure. Okay. And so if you like Timothy Keller, I think you'll definitely like this book. Uh, it's eloquent. 
I think it has a lot of simple language at the same time, so it's it's graspable. Mm-hmm. It's not gonna confuse you, mm-hmm. and it's short. So and it's also cheap. It's like a couple bucks to buy it. You have no excuse not so to read this. So <laughs> definitely worth getting if uh, if you have an ebook. It's really cheap. If not, mm-hmm. I think it's still cheap. Yeah. So. So here we go. A few lessons from the lessons of self-forgetting, or the lesson, the the freedom. Excuse me. A few lessons from the freedom of self-forgetfulness. Okay, let's go. So the book itself is really about how the gospel frees us uh, and truly creates humility within us. Mm-hmm. How it frees us from pride mm-hmm. uh, and instead brings humility out of us. And so the book begins by critiquing the way in which self-esteem is highlighted in our world and tried to, and what self-esteem is often built upon in Mm -hmm. our world. Mm -hmm. And one of the basic premises of the book is when people lack self-esteem, the only thing that we can offer them in return is pride. Mm -hmm. But neither of those are good dispositions of the heart. To have low self-esteem and to have high self-esteem the argument of Timothy Keller is that they actually kind of both come from the same place, which is uh, a place of pride where either your pride is inflated or your pride is deflated. Mm-hmm. But at the same, it, it hasn't, you haven't just changed your heart. Your heart's the same as it was before. It's just a difference of whether it's inflated or deflated. And he's mm-hmm. saying both of those are a problem. Mm-hmm. And so the first lesson I learned from the book, which really stuck out to me was, your feelings aren't hurt, your ego is. Okay, what do you mean by that? <laughs> well, he was saying, he, he goes to say, you know, when people say, oh, you hurt my feelings, like feelings can't be hurt. Okay. Like feelings are just feelings. Like they're just, you know, you're happy or you're sad or you're, they're just an expression of something else. Mm-hmm. So when we say you're feeling, I, you, got, you hurt my feelings, we're not really speaking truthfully. They're saying, you're saying sort of, you gave me bad, like, you know, I feel bad because of what you did. I feel hurt by what you did, but you didn't hurt my feelings. What you instead hurt was often my pride. Okay. You made me feel small Mm. or you made me feel ugly or something. You know, Mm. you made me feel uh, in a way that hurt my pride, hurt my ego, hurt my sense of Mm self-worth or identity. I think that makes sense, um, especially if you were talking about like particularly the inflamed sense of self. Like if I have a very high view of myself, someone yeah. like saying something that contradicts that, that could definitely lead to me feeling like hurt and irritated and all of that. So Yeah, and he's saying the fact is that it's very easy for our ego, our pride to feel hurt. Okay. You know, it's very easy to sort of make it, feel pain and in mm-hmm. fact multiple times throughout the day mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we'll feel that our, our we feel hurt by something we feel attacked by something we feel frustrated by something that is touching our sense of self mm-hmm. and he said the reason that that's the case is because you know if you imagine uh, any other part of your body if it's functioning perfectly normally you won't notice it throughout the day there won't you won't nothing about it the daily daily life will hurt it in any way. But the fact that we are constantly having our egos hurt, uh, we constantly have these emotional reactions to things about the way that we feel about ourselves shows that there's something deeply wrong mm-hmm. with that part of us. It's, it's broken. 
I like the example he gave. Like, it, it, it sounds random, but really quickly was talking about, like, your toes. Like, if your mm. toes are hurting, probably, like, I don't know, something's broken. But if you don't feel you're going about your day and you don't feel anything with your feet because they're working properly. Um, but if your pride, not your feelings, but your pride are always getting hurt, he's like, well, it's the same idea, you know? The fact yeah. that it's hurting so much means there's something wrong with either you having a too high or a too low view of yourself. And so, like you're saying, like... That comes down to being um, that your pride is hurt, basically, or your ego. So, yeah. yeah. So it's something to just take notice of in life is mm-hmm. that, you know, what we should notice about the fact that we feel angry mm-hmm. is, well, why, why is this happening? Why is this coming out of me? What does this say about me? Mm-hmm. And what it should often lead us to is the conclusion that, oh, there's something going on about within my identity that's quite fragile Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's quite easy to hurt uh and he breaks it down into four different components as to what uh an ego you know a sense an identity that the world can offer us or that our own human hearts can offer us why there's four different problems with it and one that is you know it's empty the other that it's fragile Mm -hmm. uh do you remember the other two empty fragile uh let me see if i can it was one saying it was puffed up, you know. It was, yeah, it was inflated, but like inflated on nothing basically, because it's yeah. just empty. I can't find the other one right now, but yeah. Anyways, four things to describe yeah. like what's wrong with our ego. Good reason basically. to read the book. <laughs> find out what the fourth one is. Exactly. And that because of that, we are constantly, you know, in this place of feeling vulnerable or feeling. Uh, dissatisfied Mm -hmm. and so what the gospel offers us is something else Mm -hmm. and instead of offering us something which is sort of an either or option where either you can care about you know how other people feel about you all the time uh, or you can just make sure you 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 like yourself Mm -hmm. and you care for yourself and you only care about what you think Mm -hmm. and living up to your own standard he's saying that's not really any better because you're another you're also a human being and you're full of self-criticism and self-doubt and, yeah. and frustration and, and these kinds of things, and you're changeable all the time. So you often won't even live up to your own expectations. Mm-hmm. You're offering something else. Mm-hmm. And when you can get hold of this something else, it's going to bring a lot of joy back into your life. Because something else, and this is lesson two that he brings up, and something I didn't really realize until he stated it, is that pride often robs us of joy in True. life. Okay. Well, like in what sense? Yeah, in the sense that when you're coming from a place of pride, you can't have true joy in the thing that you have okay. because you only have joy in what that thing says about you. Yeah. So, for instance, if I said, um, uh, if I found a hundred bucks or a hundred bucks is just in my bank account all of a sudden, <laughs> I feel like, wow, that's amazing, 100 bucks, that's so great, what yeah. a lucky day. And then I realize, oh, the government just today gave everyone 100 bucks. Yeah. That would special. take a little bit, of, it would be less special. <laughs> we would cr- criticize the government right away, like, what are they doing? This. <laughs> yeah. I'd yeah. be like, oh, oh well. I'm not special. I'm not special. Yeah, exactly. So that goes to show, it wasn't only about the $100 itself, it was about what the $100 said about me. Mm-hmm. I was I was finding pride and joy in what the the hundred bucks said about me. Mm-hmm. And the same thing happens when it comes to, yes, wealth, but also looks mm-hmm. and talent mm-hmm. and power. It's not about having something. It's about having more than the other. Mm-hmm. He talks a lot about comparison. Like it's yeah. not about 
like I could have a hundred bucks, but if I find out that you had two hundred bucks, well, because I'm comparing myself and you, like uh, I, I'm just like left um, with the hurt ego again because exactly. I'm comparing myself. Yeah. Yeah, because you're worried about what it says about you, mm-hmm. or well, that's what you're concerned. Your right. concern is what it says about me, rather than what it just is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so this pride puts us in constant competition with each other, and a constant sense that we need to validate ourselves, mm-hmm. we need to prove our self worth over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And no matter what we put into it, the next morning the cupboard is bare; yeah. it's empty again. Yeah. And we got to keep putting things into it because it's this constant struggle of feeling like. I need to live up to something. I need to prove myself. I need to keep going because it's, it's all about me. Mm-hmm. It's all about what this, what this life, everything around me is just materials to feed my ego. Mm-hmm. And that takes so much joy out of everything. Yeah, because it means you can't enjoy any of the things, any of the talents or looks or yeah. accomplishments you have. It's like, well, that doesn't mean anything if someone else out there is more successful. Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. Or if it's, if it's just about someone else's opinion, or mm-hmm. even my opinion. Mm-hmm. It's not just a thing. It's about what that thing means to mm-hmm. me mm-hmm. and whether or not it makes me feel good. Uh, because, yeah, if it doesn't, then, I don't, then, then it, it's, it's kind of joyless to exactly. me. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So that's lesson number two. Pride robs the joy out of everything. So then he starts talking about what true humility looks like. And he uses a surprising quote um, by C.S. Lewis. Okay. Which was, it's really beautiful to me. C.S. Lewis, and I'm paraphrasing here, says something like, you know, if, if you were to meet a truly humble person, they probably wouldn't look like what you'd expect them to look like. Mm-hmm. In fact, if you met a truly humble person, the feeling you would leave that conversation with is probably just, wow, that person was really interested in me. (laughs) And that's the third lesson. People who are truly humble aren't noticeable, at least not in the way that you would think. And this is where we get into this idea of self-forgetfulness. And his argument is humility isn't thinking less of yourself. True humility is thinking of yourself less. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's self-forgetfulness. Yeah, like not focusing so much on like me and the things that I want and the things that I need to elevate myself. Exactly. Yeah. So if you were to meet a person, and let's take away that word humble and instead put in the word self-forgetful, mm-hmm. then what kind of a person would that be? Mm, I think like you're saying, it's someone that they don't take all of the attention in the room, you know. They're yeah. con- I, I think they would be a very content person, honestly. Like someone who's just able to be around people yeah. um, without trying to make themselves look good in a conversation. Like maybe someone yeah. who's quiet, not in a bad sense, but just like in the sense that they have inner peace and they're mm-hmm. not the loudest person and everything. So. Yeah, and not to say that a shy person is humble either because mm-hmm. a shy person may lack self-esteem. And so the reason that they are quiet is because they're, too conscious of what other people are yeah, thinking yeah, of Yeah, that's the other extreme. Right? And they're not self-forgetful either. They're mm-hmm. actually painfully self-aware, mm-hmm. which is causing their silence. Yeah. Or, you know, very, very gregarious people who need to be the center of attention mm-hmm. are also painfully self-aware because they want certain things from people and, and they're feeling like they need them. Yeah. But a, a self-forgetful person, I think it's a good description to say you would leave that conversation thinking, wow, that person really was interested in me. Yeah, yeah. They would ask a lot of questions. They would they would be happy for your accomplishments. Mm-hmm. They would you know, they would they would really be excited for you and and everything about you or concerned for whatever the, the right of emotion would be. Mm-hmm. They would the conversation would be largely about you 
Because they're not in competition with you, I think. Exactly. Like, they're not trying to say, oh, you have this, well, I have $200. Like, you know, yeah. like, they're just happy for you for the sake of being happy for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and the conversation isn't about them. Like, there's that self-forgetfulness. So. Yeah. And then he, he goes on to describe what a person like this would look like and how, you know, even if they got silver, a silver medal in a competition, they would be so happy at the with the person who got the gold because... They would be so happy just of the beauty of that person's performance. Mm-hmm. They would have that joy of looking yeah. at that performance. Which is, when he wrote that, I was like, I've never looked at it this way at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know. Instead of looking at something and saying, oh, I wish I could do that. Mm-hmm. You look at it and just think, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. love that that existed. The same mm-hmm. way that, like, that you'd be happy to see a sunrise. Just because its existence inspires joy. Mm-hmm. You're not in competition with the other person. So mm-hmm. you can just be... You can have joy at the fact that what they did was marvelous. Right, right. Can I give like a weird example? Please do. <laughs> so chocolate salami. I'm someone that like I want to learn how to cook and bake uh, better. And baking is like it's a new way of like combining ingredients. And essentially, you're kind of always doing the same thing, but sometimes it goes wrong, sometimes it doesn't. Sure. But like instead of me being competition, I'm like, oh, he made something so much more delicious. I could just be like, chocolate salami is amazing, <laughs> and I could. Yeah genuinely enjoy it because i'm not in competition with the person which is you who like made this thing you know i can just genuinely enjoy what's right in front of me because there isn't that sense of oh well i have to make something that's better than what he made type of thing exactly mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. i think that's it if, if you if your sense of ego was wrapped up in your baking mm-hmm. yeah you would you would in, in social settings, you might feel frustrated that you yeah. can't do what other people yeah, can do. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Rather than just enjoy it for what it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then he goes on in the book to talk about how this is possible. You know, okay, so we, we look at going from a, a place of a fragile ego to a place where an ego is full mm-hmm. and satisfied and mm-hmm. robust. Yeah, and uh, it's, the answer isn't like have higher self-esteem, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's not about having a higher regard for yourself mm-hmm. or, or looking to yourself to give you that sense of high regard uh, rather than looking to someone else. And that's one of his critiques is, you know, when we try to solve people's low self-esteem, all we give them in return is pride, mm-hmm. which is also just kind of, it's not, right. not going to help right. you in, in the long term. Instead, he looks at what the gospel brings in, which is found in the writing of Paul, where he speaks about how he doesn't care about what other people think of him, and he doesn't even care about what God thinks about him. Uh, sorry, excuse, about what he thinks about, what himself, he yeah. thinks about himself. Yeah, thinks about himself. I got ahead of myself there. <laughs> he doesn't think about what others. He doesn't care about what other people think. He doesn't even care about what he thinks. What he cares about is what God thinks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that, just on the surface, may still inspire anxious thoughts because you're like, well, what if God's mad at me? Or what if God doesn't <laughs> like me? Yeah, yeah. You know, like it's just another way of trying to kind of fish for approval that's true yeah but because of the gospel we actually know for a fact what god thinks about us mm. and he uses this metaphor of of the courtroom and how everyone's living day by day as if they're on trial and they're constantly looking for that verdict am i good enough or am i not mm-hmm. am i am i still good enough mm-hmm. or am i not and even past accomplishments uh leave us feeling dry because we have to keep keep proving ourselves over and over again but when you look at the gospel what it tells you is that because of what christ has done and what that means for you is that when you humbly embrace that when you when you are willing to admit 
to the need you have for a savior. Mm-hmm. And what comes to you is a verdict that is fully finished. It's mm-hmm. done. Mm-hmm. The verdict has been reached. Mm-hmm. Your identity is set. And so the fourth lesson was the verdict is already in, the trial is already in the past. Mm-hmm. Which means you don't have to live day by day trying to make it, trying to see if you're good enough. Because what happened 2,000 years ago on the cross when Christ was was deemed righteous and that the payment of sin was deemed paid Mm -hmm. that's god's verdict of you Mm -hmm. and so it doesn't actually matter what other people think of you it doesn't even matter what you think of you because the person whose opinion matters most about you which is god's it's already set in stone yeah i like that you said before like it's finished and the verdict is given like i don't have to strive so much like the fact that it's finished means like now i can forget myself because now i don't have this like anxiety about am i good enough am mm-hmm. i not good enough what do people think what do i think like it's no none of that even matters anymore because of yeah. what christ did so yeah. it's amazing i mean it was it's profound when you think about it because we often look look ahead to think like you know when i meet god what will god say about me mm-hmm. and there's we need the first lesson we need to really deeply in our heart have a heart sense of is i don't need to worry about that right right because if i if i have put my faith in christ then i already know what god thinks about me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i'm i know that i'm declared righteous in his eyes because of the grace that i've received mm-hmm. and i can walk forward and now you see where self-forgetfulness come from because you're actually not worried about that stuff anymore. Exactly. You're not even conscious of it anymore because exactly. your heart is so filled with what what God thinks about you mm-hmm. that if God thinks about this about you, then if another person tries to tear you down, well, who are the, what, why does <laughs> they, that, their yeah. opinion matter? Yeah. Or if you try to tear yourself down or build an identity on something other than that and it kind of falls apart, why does that even matter? Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. What God says about me matters the most. And mm-hmm. what God says about me is absolutely categorically decided. Yeah. And I feel like even recognizing that takes a lot of humility because we want to be the ones who decide on our fate and yeah. everything. And we want to be the ones who are like setting these standards. But like, I think you need to first embrace, well, no, God actually matters more than I do. Yeah. And so his opinion counts more. And his opinion is that like in Christ, I'm justified. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I guess that leads very well into the last lesson, which is this will take reliving the gospel a lot. In, in other words, this is going to be hard <laughs> to like, keep believing this and yeah. keep living like this. Yeah. yeah. I think our, our, our ego naturally is something we, we feel very deeply. Mm-hmm. And so having an ego built on God rather mm-hmm. than self-esteem or pride um, is... It's going to take every time we pray, recognizing that we, we stand on grace. Mm. Every time we, we approach God, recognizing we, we stand on grace and, and that it's, the verdict is in the past. Well, you know, the, way we, the way we approach God is affected by that. The way that we approach others should be affected mm-hmm. by that. The way, the mm-hmm. way that we approach self-examination should be affected by that. But it will be a slow process of change. Yeah. You know, yeah. You're going to have to be willing to kind of do it because you'll often find yourself back in the courtroom mm. feeling judged or feeling that you're waiting for the verdict or you're striving for the verdict. You're arguing your case 
And you'll have to pull yourself out of that. Yeah, because there's no point. <laughs> like the break's yeah. already given. It's already like... given. So you gotta you gotta kind of walk out of the courtroom, so mm -hmm. to speak. Mm -hmm. And the way you're gonna do that is to retell the gospel to yourself. Exactly. Yeah. In yeah. Christ I am free. Mm -hmm. You know. Mm -hmm. I think that's that's what I'm hoping is gonna linger and, and affect my life more and more coming out of reading this book mm -hmm. is, you know, the the willingness to retell the gospel to myself and stop judging Stop feeling judged by my own criticism, the criticism of others, mm -hmm. and instead just walk in the freedom. And, and I think it's going to bring a lot more joy into my mm -hmm. life if I do mm -hmm. that as well. I think the thing that stops us from doing that and from having that joy is, yeah, because we're so, like, the opposite of self-forgetfulness. Like, we're yeah. so self-obsessed. Self-conscious. Yeah. And, like, if anything, that's, like, one way the enemy can, like, get at us and rob our joy. is like, well, what do I think? And what does this person think? But it's, like... It does take a lot of prayer and a lot of grace to be, to not even like go to that place where I'm mm -hmm. like back in the courtroom where I'm just like focused on me, but ultimately I'm worshiping and focusing on Christ, and yeah. that does take intentionality. But yeah. it does, it really does. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, that's our review of the book. It's such a short book, but um, I recommend you guys read it. Um, yeah. I like how he said at the end too, like he's like, if you've never heard this before, then like chew on it and like yeah. take some time to know who Jesus is and what you've never heard of the cross before. Okay, well, think, so, think about that a little bit. And yeah. so, yeah, I would recommend people read the book and uh, think about this stuff more and think about yourselves. <laughs> I should think about myself less. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, highly recommend it. Uh, anyway, that's it for our first book review. There may be more if we can find other short yeah. books. <laughs> our first uh, podcast of the year, I think. Yeah. Uh, I enjoyed it with its chocolate salami. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Jess. Thanks, Chris. And Have thanks a good for listening, one. everyone. Bye for now.